listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. Welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. This is the post-game show for the New York Knicks versus the Philadelphia 76ers, where we saw the New York Knicks win, and not really a beautiful, it's kind of really ugly, but we still got the W, win over the undermanned 76ers, which we're going to get into. Final score, New York Knicks 106, Philadelphia 76ers 104. It was, again, as I mentioned, a pretty ugly game. It did not look good for a number of quarters. The Knicks allowed 30 points in the third quarter against the Philadelphia 76ers and only scored 16 themselves. So they did put themselves in quite a little bit of a hole there. But in the fourth quarters, when they came out ablazing and they outscored the 76ers in the fourth quarter, uh, 32 to 21, that's really what helped them eke out that victory. But again, another slow quarter uh, in the third. A lot of people are really noticing it or mentioning it because the New York Knicks won. And again, I am happy. I am happy that the Knicks won. I always want the Knicks to win. Ugly, beautiful, in the middle. I'm happy with it. I always want the Knicks to win. But this is a post-game show about the 76ers versus the Knicks game that we just saw. And if that's the case, then we have to talk about a couple of things that we saw that maybe weren't so good. And some of the things that weren't good, again, was another slow quarter. I don't know how many times I can see this. And I don't know how many times I can let Knicks fans just not acknowledge it. This is another slow quarter. The New York Knicks scored 16 points in the third. And we allowed Philadelphia to score 30. This is a trend, folks. We did it against 76ers. We then did it against the Cavs. And we did it against the Hawks. These are three teams that are playoff caliber teams that we should not allow this stuff to happen with. And it still does. They are playoff caliber teams. And we're allowing these teams to destroy us in a quarter by scoring 30 plus. We are lucky that we even walked out with the victory against the Sixers. So let me get into this before I go into the game stats like I normally do. Yeah, we got the win. Yeah, it was good to see the Knicks win finally because we've been losing for so long. But this Sixers team didn't have Joel Embiid, did not have James Harden. They're two all-stars. Only really had Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey as their best, you know, shooters in the game. That's who we barely beat. Listen, it's something to put into perspective. All Maxie's not an all-star at this point. He could be, and I think he probably will be. But at this point in time, is he? I don't think so. So that's the team that we barely beat. And that's something to put note of, because if Embiid was playing or Harden was playing, would we have won those games? Would we have won last night? 
I don't know. And that's the scary part as a Knicks fan is to, to kind of think about that, where we barely beat an undermanded Sixers team. Who knows what happened if Harden and Beater, both of them, were playing at the time? Would we have won? Would we have been demolished? I don't know. But it's uh, it's something to uh, to think about. Let's jump into some key stats here. So in terms of uh, field goal, the Philadelphia 76ers shot 98 um, times and, you know, on those 98 attempts, uh, scored 37 times. So that's 38% for them. The New York Knicks were a lot better, actually. We only shot 80 times, but nearly made half of it at 37%, excuse me, at 37 shots for 46% in terms of shooting. From uh, three, the New York Knicks were still pretty bad. 27% shot eight of 33 as a team from three. Uh, Sixers as a team shot 47 threes and made 13 of them for 28%. So not that good either. So we both weren't making the threes. And a lot of the threes, by the way, again, for the Sixers, were open. We left Maxi open for some of these threes. Maxi is their best shooter. One of their only shooters on the floor. I don't know how we lose him, but he was open for many shots. He definitely downed many shots as well, too, did Maxi. But some key open shots he just did not make, especially down the stretch on the fourth. We're going to get to why Maxi was a little uh, bothered, but... Absolutely, uh, I think that stopping Maxi was a key in the fourth for why we won, but we allowed him to shoot quite a lot of open threes, and that was still a problem for me. From the free throw line, the Knicks were 85%. Uh, they made 23 out of 27 uh, free throws as a team. Philadelphia made 17 out of 21 free throws as a team for 81%. Turnovers, man, the 76ers had 15 turnovers, and the New York Knicks had 21 turnovers they had about 10 turnovers in the first quarter against the 76ers so they cleaned it up a lot in the second half but I don't understand where these turnovers are coming from it was a theme in the Atlanta Hawks game in the meltdown of the third that we saw and now it's becoming a theme again in the Sixers game we cannot turn the ball over we've been actually pretty good with turnovers so I'm surprised to see us having this much turnover. Now, that probably goes into some lineup adjustments, which we'll get to, and just people not being familiar with each other and playing with each other. However, 21 turnovers in a game is horrendous. You normally are not winning games when you're turning the ball over 20-plus times. It's a miracle that we won this game. And from the score, 106, New York Knicks, 104, Sixers, you can see it was a miracle of a win because it was very close and it shouldn't have been. Given the stats, I'm telling you, given the turnovers, I'm telling you, it definitely should have not been. There's no way we shouldn't have beat the 76ers today. But the Sixers just couldn't make their open shots, which, which we gave them. Had they, they probably would have blew this game out. They didn't make the open shots that they had. Shot, you know, pretty bad. And, you know, we did play improved defense throughout each quarter got better in the second half I thought especially when Cam was out there because I thought Cam did a phenomenal job on Maxi, who was lighting us up for quarter after quarter after quarter he put Cam on him in the fourth quarter Maxi really didn't do that much in the fourth Cam really locked him down and make sure he wasn't gonna try anything or go off and again athleticism his length and his ability to penetrate that type of passing lane so people have to think twice before they pass or if they pass he can get his hand on it or deflect it 
it's a problem. Cam was a problem last night for Maxi, and we saw that when he played in limited minutes. So I really, really love it. I love what I saw from uh, Cam Reddish yesterday. I loved his defense. And his offense looked very good as well, too. We're going to touch on Cam a little bit, but it was very good to see um, to see some of that. But the turnovers, you know, we got to clean up. On the glass, the Knicks uh, did win uh, 50 bounds to 44 bounds for the Sixers. Although offensive uh, rebounds, the Sixers beat us 13 to 10. Mitchell Robinson really had a lot to do with that because Mitch, first of all, was in a little bit of foul trouble. And then when he got out of foul trouble, he was just getting injured. And he did have a minor injury. I'm not sure what happened. Looked like he tweaked his uh, foot or ankle. I think it was a knee, actually, that they said in the uh, post game. So he does have a little bit of injury risk and concern right now. I don't know what that means. Uh, they didn't really state how severe it is. I assume he's day-to-day at this point, And we'll probably know more if they run an MRI or anything like that. I hope it comes back negative because... Mitch is your best rebounder and your best offensive rebounder and probably one of the best offensive rebounders in the game today. So losing him is a huge, huge issue. And I hope we don't lose him. I hope this is just minor. I hope he didn't come back in the game last night because, you know, it was just precautionary. I hope he's ready to go against the Celtics in tonight's game. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. So we're going to have to wait and see, but Mitch will sorely be needed every game. So I wish him a speedy recovery, and I hope he comes back healthy and strong and ready to contribute for this next team. For blocks, uh, we were tied with the Philadelphia 76ers at eight, eight apiece. Steals, the Sixers uh, destroyed us on 12 to 5. Uh, personal fouls, we are more or less even in. Knicks had 21 personal fouls to the 25 committed by the 76ers. And that's really where the um, the game stats uh, are. And, of course, you can clearly see from those game stats some of the areas the Knicks need to clean up and get better at. Obviously, shooting the three. Obviously, cleaning up turnovers. Obviously, making better shot selections. They got to assist and pass a little bit more, I think, uh, as a team. As a team, they only had 24 assists compared to Philadelphia's 27 assists. I think if you get those assists up to 27, 30 assists per game, I think you can see this Knicks team explode even more and contribute even more because I think there are players that run better with an offense that moves like that and doesn't have the ball stick so I think if you see a couple more assists added to the Knicks every game I think you'll see a more cohesive team and likely um, you know a better playing team overall so one of the bright spots and I'm so happy to say it RJ Barrett oh my goodness finally Finally, RJ. I think RJ woke up, guys. I think RJ Barrett finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. I need to wake up. I need to do the things that I was paid to do. I need to do the things that I was expected to do, and I need to do them well. And I think last night you couldn't have made an argument about RJ Barrett in his game. I thought RJ Barrett looked on good and ready for the entire time he was on the floor. R.J. Barrett played 37 minutes last night, scored 22 points, nine rebounds, two assists. Here is the biggest thing. Took 16 shots to do it, made eight of 16. That's 50% field gold. That's what I want to see. That's sufficient. 
I love to watch it. From three, he was two of eight. So still not the greatest three-point shooter. And he still has to take better threes and clean up that efficiency from three. But the fact that he's shooting them with confidence when he's open is good. It matters. And a lot of his shots actually were open and good shots. He just missed them and couldn't make them. So I'm not too mad about him missing the threes because I thought he took them when he was open and he didn't rush them, which he's been doing for these last couple of games. So he's two of eight. I don't like that, but he didn't rush those shots. So I'm very thankful of that. Four of six from the free throw line. That's also very good. I like him to be six of six. I don't want him to miss shots. I don't think he should be missing free throws. I think, especially at his position, he shouldn't be making every free throw. But four of six is better than what he would have shot last year. His free throws, I think we've all acknowledged at this point, look very good. R.J. Barrett looked very good against this Sixers team that was undermanned still. But I thought he looked very good. I thought he played very well. And I thought his efficiency, especially from the field goal, was great. His defense was stellar and only getting better, actually. So his defense was not porous like I thought it had been these last few games. And I think that had a lot to do with his offense being so on and being so prominent during this win against the Sixers. So I think that contributed a lot to his defense being as strong, too. But this is the game we've been waiting for, RJ. In all honesty, man, and I think even 22 points is low for you. I think you should have been at least averaging 25, 26 points at this point because that's how talented you are. You get the shot attempts as well, too, to justify it. RJ Barrett, I have been on you and have been hard on you and been calling you out each and every single game because I call it like I see it. So with that theme in mind, calling it like I see it, Bravo, R.J. Barrett, finally doing what I wanted you to do for so long. If the threes are not falling, take it to the rack. And guess what? You don't always got to throw it up to the rack. You can mix in a couple of fakes. You can go right. You can go right, left. You can go right, look like you're going to throw it up and then pass it. What you were doing, that's what it's about, R.J., you're strong, you're athletic to an extent, and you can get into the paint legitimately at will it seems like you just have to be smarter when you're in the paint to make the right pass make the right play get to the right position so you can do damage because I think RJ Barrett working in that regard could be an all-star could be phenomenal he if he makes better decisions when he's going to the rim a whole new game opens up for him Because if defenders don't know what to do when you get into the paint, they don't know if you're going to play make, you're going to score, you're going to go inside, outside, you're going to go up and down, you're going to go around them. They don't know. And that's the point. You want to keep the defense guessing. R.J. Barrett has the skill set to keep this defense or defenses in the NBA guessing. And that's why I've been so frustrated with R.J. Barrett, because it's not like he can't do it. He can do it. And we saw it against the Sixers team. He can do it and do it well. And that's why I'm so upset when he doesn't do it. R.J. Barrett had one of his best games of the season against the Sixers. And I'm so happy that he's finally done it. And I hope that this holds and improves and stays consistent now and moving forward through the season. Because if we're going to have any shot of beating the Boston Celtics, who are 5-3 and on the season, we need everybody in the Knicks to come and play. That includes... R.J. Barrett.
quick notes on Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. So Cam Reddish played, what, 15 minutes last night? 15 minutes. 11 points. Three assists. Four of four from the field. Perfect. And hit his threes. Hit his free throws. Gave you a block. Gave you a steal. And was a plus 19. And if if I'm not mistaken, Cam Reddish was the highest plus minus on the field for the game against the Sixers. Highest plus minus at plus, once again, plus 19. Cam Reddish is a plus 19 for the game. Played only 15 minutes, made all of his field goals for 11 points. And his defense, especially on Maxi, was phenomenal. I think I said it. I tweeted it out last night. I saw Grimes in there. And I saw Reddish out there. And I know it's a small sample size. I get it. You can say it. But from what I saw in that game, Reddish looks a little bit better than Grimes does with the starting unit. And I think that has a lot to do with his ability to play the passing lanes, his length, and also his athleticism. And the fact that he's comfortable making his own shot and getting his own shot, which is what he's always been good at. So you add the improve the defense to that, playing the passing lanes to that, being focused and locked in. Yeah, Reddish is absolutely making a case for more minutes. He might be making a case to start. That's what I'm looking at from Cam Reddish at this point. Little by little, slowly and surely, Cam Reddish has been figuring out a fit with the lineups that he's playing with, figuring out what he can do with the lineups he's playing with, and making the right plays, the right pass, right shot selections. For the most part, he does have some bad shot selections at times, but for the most part, he looks to try to make the better shots now. And his defense is just stellar. And that's really what Tom Thibodeau looks for anyways. And that's really what's going to earn you more minutes. And I think he's been doing the defense and offense very well lately. Cam Reddish deserves more minutes. I don't know how he's going to get it with this lineup and, you know, who Thibodeau likes to play. But if we're looking at lineups and we're looking at adjustments and we're looking at teams we're going to play and creating lineups based on who we're going to play, I would say Reddish is going to see a lot more minutes and likely a starter to if we are playing it based off of matchup. Because I think you could make the argument that Reddish in the starting lineup over Grimes will give you more athleticism and a little bit more length for defensive purposes. And depending on who you're playing, maybe like the Bucks, for instance, you might need that length to block these passing lanes and whatnot and go up against these other athletic freaks that the Bucks have as well. So I think if you look at it from that regard, it makes a lot of sense why you'd want to try out different lineups. But I thought that was a crazy idea. I thought we could never try out new lineups. I thought trying out new lineups would be asinine. But then, but then yesterday happens. Rotations. Adjustments? Is Tom Thibodeau still the coach? Because isn't it so funny? I create a video torching Tom Thibodeau. I'm not saying it's because of me. I'm sure a lot of Nick fans actually did that too. Torching Tom Thibodeau, complaining how he's not making any adjustments or he's making late adjustments when it doesn't matter anymore. 
not playing based off of matchup. You knew when you were playing today that you were going to play a backcourt that featured Tyrese Maxey. You knew that. So upon learning that information, you probably thought to yourself, Fournier is not going to be the one to do it. He can't contain Maxey. That's right, because Maxey is one of the quickest guards in the league. So Evan Fournier absolutely cannot contain Maxey. So putting Grimes in there makes a lot of sense. Now, Grimes only played, what, 14, 15 minutes last night as well, too. So it's not like he had a lot of burn. He didn't have a lot of time with the starters and, you know, I think he needs more time. I think is what we said about Reddish initially. If you remember Reddish, when he first started playing with the starters and playing good minutes, he struggled a little bit. It looked lost. didn't look like he knew where he fit. And I see a little bit of that with Grimes. Grimes really doesn't know where he fits. Uh, he's still trying to figure out his rhythm. Obviously coming off an injury, so he's not trying to put all his pressure and weight on his foot. He still has to test it out and get ready for that. So, I, you know, there's probably a couple of things that we are not understanding or looking at to kind of explain why Grimes is really playing the way he's playing and why he's doing what he's doing. But I think Grimes will figure it out. I think Grimes has the best opportunity to figure it out if he's going to get consistent starter minutes. And I like Evan Fournier off the bench. Again, I thought he gave gives you a scoring punch. He didn't give you much scoring yesterday. Uh, I don't think he, I think he scored like a few points, if anything. One, I think he had, yeah, Fournier only made one bucket. Fournier was one of four from the field. Made one bucket at two points. Played 14 minutes. So I think you'll see him play bigger stretches off the bench and have a bigger impact off the bench in terms of scoring. Uh, he didn't do that this game, but I think as he continues to come off the bench, you'll see that scoring punch he can offer from the bench. I love Grimes in the starting lineup. I love his defense. I think that him just playing defense already makes the defender think about that and think, oh, I can't do what I can normally do against Fournier against him because he actually plays defense and he's going to play it pretty well. So I think that is still there. I want to see Grimes get a little bit more stronger and better with his defense because as of right now it is not great it looks good it looks good in spots but overall not great but again it's been 15 minutes I saw him play with the starters so you know I want to see a couple more games before I start killing Grimes and being the starting small guard if you will of the New York Knicks I don't want to kill him just yet Nick fans but I'm going to give him a couple games see what he can do and see how he learns to play with this starting lineup. Because I think Grimes could thrive with this starting lineup, especially if he's asked to play make more or do a little bit more. So I want to see what happens there. But if we're being honest, like I said before, Cam Reddish did look better with the starters in the time that he played versus Quentin Grimes. So again, small sample size. We'll see what it means as we go forward here. But I did like Cam playing with that starting lineup. I thought he gave them... Uh, more length, more athleticism, another person who can create their own shot, another person who could potentially even play make. So, yeah, I like Cam Reddish. I also want to mention that we saw Obi Toppin and Randall playing together. I have been a big proponent of those two playing together because I said there might be stretches where you see Brunson, RJ, Randall, Obi, and Mitch. That's the lineup that I thought you'd see somewhat of. Now, we didn't see that, but we are seeing Obi and, uh, and uh, Randall play together. But it seems like Randall's playing either the five 
and Obi playing the four or they're switching from that. Thibodeau mentions one of the main concerns he has with that lineup is defense and also rebounds and the ability to rebound, which I guess makes sense, uh, especially if those two aren't really, you know, bodying or bullying or trying to bang with people down low, especially centers. So I can see how having those two on the court together, if you're concerned about rebounds, would be an issue. However, I want to say that the offensive firepower that that lineup can give you is pretty good as well, too. I like the inside-outside game that Obi and Randall could potentially do because you could make the argument, especially if Randall gets his three-point percentage up there a little bit, that if Randall shoots 37% and Obi, who's been making his threes at a pretty significant clip, if you have two of those guys on the field who can go inside, outside, who can give you threes, who could destroy you and hammer it down in the paint, play baseline on you, play inside on you, and use your strength and athleticism, that lineup could work. And I think you did see spots where Randall was penetrating and passed it out to a quick loop, pass it out to Toppin for a hockey pass. He was open, and he knocked down the three. And if Toppin can consistently knock down the three and be a threat inside and outside and work on his post-up game, he would be a threat in all categories. And be legit hard to stop because you don't know what he would do, especially if he can just pull up at three, go in for that dunk or, you know, pay, play baseline or actually post up and use a little bit of his length and athleticism and jump to get around and over people because I think he can. And I want to see a little bit more of that from Obi Toppin. But you saw Randall and Obi play. I didn't think that lineup looked bad last night when they were on the court together. I thought they played very well together. And I think that their defense can only get better as they continue to familiarize themselves with each other and play together. So I think more of this over time is a good thing. I think depending on who you're playing, it's a good situational lineup to have. But I also think that if Obi's game continues to develop, you make even more of an argument to why a Randall and Obi pairing on the same court makes sense but i still think you're going to be defensively handicapped if you don't put some type of defensive anchor within that system whether it be hartenstein or whether it be mitch you need a big in there so you don't lose some of the defense that you're inevitably going to lose just because you don't have that same size and big in the paint when you play randall and obi but but seeing randall and obi play together Warmed my damn heart. I loved it. And Tom Thibodeau, I love that you are trying out different and new lineups depending on who you're playing with. It's as if you played the podcast that I specifically destroyed you in and listened to every single point that I had. Now, I don't know if Tom Thibodeau is playing my podcast and listening to me, but he damn sure did a lot of the things that I recommended doing adjustments and make these adjustments when the game is on a line when it mattered that Obi Toppin and Randall pairing came in the fourth when we were down and helped us get back into the game that's an adjustment an adjustment when we needed it because we were losing that wasn't a late adjustment look at that playing players based off of the team that you're playing you want to put Fournier in there against Maxi, so you put Grimes great that means we're playing based off of matchup 
I think I said that. In your post game for the game against the Sixers, you said you got to limit turnovers. Wonder who had turnovers as one of the main keys to winning in his last episode. Listen, I'm not saying that you stole some of the stuff from me, and I don't care if you did. I'm just glad somebody is listening and somebody is making these decisions so we can see them on the court. Because I was very ecstatic seeing these lineup adjustments, especially from Tom Thibodeau, who I thought would never give it to us. So small shout out to Thibs for doing it. I still want to see him do it consistently and see how it, you know, helps impact winning. But it's a start. It's a start. And I'll take that. No venom, Thibs. No venom. Thank you for making these adjustments and showing us a little bit of a glimpse of what this Knicks team can be if coached a little bit more correctly. I appreciate that. Let's talk about the matchup against the Celtics. The Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks are going to play each other on Saturday night. I'll be going to that game, actually, so I'll be live in the garden, uh, live tweeting and also uh, checking out the entire game, the atmosphere, the energy, meeting with all of you guys. So if you're going to the game, definitely shout me out on Twitter. Let me know where you're at, and I'll uh, try to find you if I can and uh, say a quick shout out, maybe get some selfies going, and uh, then you post that on social media and uh, you know just interact with you guys more because, again, I do this show. Not only because I love the Knicks, but because I love the fans and I love the interactions and I love your perspectives. So meeting you guys as well, it's great. If you are going to the game tomorrow, tweet at me at the Knicks recap on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Let me know you're going. I'd love to see you guys uh, get a potential uh, thoughts and comments from you guys on what you thought about the game and things of that nature. So if you're at the game, definitely let me know. I will be there in the building to watch the Celtics take on the Knicks live at MSG. 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. That's when the game will be on Saturday. It's going to be a tough one because the Celtics are still a tough team. They're 5-3 and three on the season. The Knicks are 4-4 four and four on the season. Obviously, when we close this game, we hope we have matching records with the Celtics at 5-4 and four because that's essentially what we want to happen. That game is going to be tough. Another year with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You can talk about the head coach. You can talk about injuries. Celtics look legit. They still look legit. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, who's apparently playing well and not injured. Surprising, I know, because that guy and injury seem to go synonymous with each other. So the fact that he's not injured as much is pretty, pretty significant because I felt that Brogdon, if healthy, was a huge steal, a coup for the Celtics. And it looks like it's working out to be that way. He still has some issues, I think, with the team in terms of chemistry. If you watch their games, uh, he plays well. But I think Derek White on the Celtics plays a little bit better in terms of his fit with that lineup than, you know, Brogdon does. However, Brogdon is a huge addition. And I think over the course of the season, as he understands chemistry and what works with his teammates, that team will be scary. Celtics look legit. Close out on shooters. Make sure the Celtics have a harder time passing the ball and finding people and being open. Play man-to-man -man defense, especially on these guys because they're good at shooting the three. So we got to protect the three and make sure they don't get easy buckets. 
man-on-man defense is how you're going to do it against this team. Locked in and focused. Communication. Helping when necessary. They're going to switch, obviously. They're probably going to play zone against us. We're going to have to be prepared for that. We're going to have to talk and communicate so we can be prepared for that. That's what I'm not seeing a lot of. I'm not seeing a lot of communication out there. Hartenstein communicates a lot on defense. Some other people do communicate a lot on defense. Not everyone does, though. And against a Celtics team that might run zone against you, especially if they're down, you're going to need to communicate on defense and on offense. So the Knicks team is definitely going to have to do that. They're going to have their hands full, I think, against Tatum. And it's going to be a very, very exciting and good game. But I think, again, the keys to it are limiting your turnovers, ensuring that you protect the three, and they don't get easy baskets or buckets, and stopping their fast breaks. Because this team definitely likes to run. They can run. And when necessary, they're going to do anything possible to get the best out of their stars. That's what we've seen thus far. That's going to do it for us here today, Nick fans. I appreciate you guys rocking and rolling with me. This has been the post-game show for the Knicks versus Sixers that saw the Knicks beat the Philadelphia 76ers 106 to 104. They play Boston Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern time. I will be at that game at MSG. I hope I see some of you there as well, too. But until next time, Nick fans, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.